services was wonderful. Our, our, if you uh, are new with us, we're glad you're here. Um, there's a visitor's card in the, the uh, pew in front of you there. Please fill that out. If, you're, if you've been here for a while, you notice that our, we swipped, switched everything, swapped everything on the stage again. Actually, years ago, this was the way it used to be set up. Then we put it over here, and now it's back over here. And hey, you know what? You never know what you're going to get when you come to church. Next Sunday, I may preach from the back, and you're all up front, so you just never know. <laughs> Praise God. Um, one last commercial. Um, Madison is leaving for Trinidad in how long? One month, today. one month from today. So, And she will be gone for three months, right? Three months in Trinidad ministering there. It's going to be an amazing time. She is doing great with her fundraising, but we want to come alongside of her. So next Sunday, immediately following service, there is going to be a spaghetti feed. Um, There's going to be gluten-free options for those who need that, so don't worry about that. But what we're inviting you out to do is to, if several of you would be willing to make a dessert, um, the church is going to be buying the spaghetti and sauce and everything, but if you'd be willing to make a dessert to be able to share, um, you can let Miss Jennifer know about that or Madison that you're going to bring a dessert. Um, and then bring your checkbooks because we would like, my goal next week is to raise at least $1,500. So that's our goal um, to help raise the, some of the final monies that she needs for her three-month mission trip. And so uh, come out next week and be ready to help and be a blessing to Madison on this trip. So, so we will, there's a list that's back there, or, and if you're listening to this later in the week because it's online, um, you can actually respond to crew because we'll put it down on crew just to make sure we have everybody accounted for and if you're bringing friends let us know because some of you have friends that would be you know glad to hear uh, about what God's doing and come out and uh, support this so bring your friends and bring your money hey you know what the world has no problem asking for money you know we should not be shy about it you know we're going to feed you good and and you're going to bring your money so all right Today, I want to continue on. We've been dealing with Gideon and walking through the life of Gideon, God's call upon Gideon, and the things that uh, he was teaching Gideon that are really um, lessons for us today. And today, the title is To Obey or Not to Obey. That is the question. To obey or not to obey. How many of you have ever struggled with obedience? Okay, a few of you. Um, you know, uh, they have obedience school for dogs. Do they do cats? I don't think cats work with obedience. I don't know. They're sort of like a rogue animal. Um, but for dogs, they work with obedience. You, you can train a dog, and, um, and you can teach. I've seen individuals um, that are able to train these dogs, and if they tell that dog to sit, that dog will stay there until it's released. It doesn't matter if it's hungry or thirsty. It will obey because it's been trained to do so. Um, You have these dogs that are trained as support animals. 
uh, helping out the visually impaired or whatever it may be. And those animals, um, even the in- individuals have troubles with seizures. Um, these dogs, they have an awareness when this is happening and they immediately come over and provide the level of comfort that is needed. They're amazing. The things that happen when you walk in obedience. There is, there is a benefit that takes place Not only for you, but all those surrounding you when you walk in obedience. See, I have found that to be true of the church. That when every individual, and we can narrow it down to just one. If we were to narrow it down to Paxton, since she's sitting up here front and center. If we were going to narrow it down to Paxton today. If Paxton walks in obedience to what God has called her to do, Paxton's obedience will have an immediate effect on her family and all of her friends. And it will begin to have this overflow effect on the church. One person can make a difference. You know, so when God is teaching us on the concept of obedience, it's not just for us. So many times our, our mindset is, how is this pertaining to me? And we don't always take into consideration that our obedience is not just for us. It's, it's for other people as well. I know for me personally, as, as a dad, my obedience has direct correlation to my wife and children and grandchildren. When I walk in obedience, there's that flow down uh, that touches them. But I also know as pastor... Um, that it affects every one of you when I walk in obedience. And so I have to take into consideration those things so that those lessons that I am uh, being taught by God, I'm walking out before you so that you see the fruit of that labor, the fruit of those lessons. As I was reading this week, one of the things I came across was a poll that was given, and it, and it was just a simple question, who do you admire? Who do you admire? And who do you think the number one person people listed as they admired? Actually, it wasn't dad or mom or a sports hero, um, it was the president. Now, who do you think that was number two? Did somebody say Jesus? I thought that's what I, I heard out there. Jesus was number two. Now, we should all think, oh, that's good. Oh, or somebody say, well, why is Jesus not number one? <laughs> and that's really because, you know, we're talking this poll wasn't given to the church. Now, I would... I would like to believe that if we had gave this poll in the church that Jesus would be close to top. But I unfortunately am more aware of our society and even those that come to church that Jesus is always not always number one. We were dealing with that in, in Sunday school this morning. It was a great lesson. We were talking about the lists that are created many times, and especially as it works with people as they are centering their life that Jesus should be number one and family two and ministry three and we go down these lists and I've said them all and and our uh, teacher in our uh, book lesson that we were going through was talking about that really these lists can be misleading because when you have other things 
even after Jesus, then what happens is if you're focusing on your family, you're not focusing on Jesus because you have numbers two and three and four. And that we should only have Jesus and, and we should live in such a way to please Jesus. Everything else is going to come into alignment. Everything else is going to be good. You know, Jesus said, you know, that we should love the Lord your God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, love our neighbor as ourself, that these are the two greatest commandments, that in doing these two things, that we will fulfill all the law. So if we can learn to love God with all that is within us, that in doing so, we won't violate the law of God. We're going to love our spouses. We're going to love our children. We're going to love those that we go to church with. But we need to quit having other people that are in the lineup about how we're going to spend our time. We need to focus on spending time with Jesus. And in doing so, I guarantee you, Jesus will not have you neglect your spouse. If you are following close to Jesus, He will not have you neglect your children. As a matter of fact, if you are following close to Jesus, He won't have you neglect your work. Because God has things laid out for us in the Word that talk about what our responsibility needs to be for living within this society, for work, that everything that we do should be done as unto the Lord. And so there is this process that we walk through that brings us into an, a level of alignment. And as we are learning to walk in obedience, we are starting to come to a place of understanding. So today, before, uh, I, before answering what I, I want you to think about this one thing, it, are you living in obedience to God? And if you are, we're going to face today the challenge of obedience and what it means to be an obedient follower of Jesus an obedient follower of Jesus and we're going to learn this from the life of Gideon here in just a few moments now a couple weeks ago I talked to you about Gideon and I'm going to keep refreshing your mind where did God find Gideon in the wine press hiding he was fearful right We've talked about, we've all dealt with fear. Uh, Miss Meredith shared this with us in our song, you know, that, you know, that God doesn't want us to be fearful. He said He's not given us a spirit of fear. So if He hasn't given it to us, why are we putting it on? You know, we need to understand that God wants us to walk in a level of confidence, a level of assurance, and a level of boldness. Gideon was walking in a level of fear. Now Gideon, as he began to have this uh, dialogue with the angel, you know, he said, you know, God, if, if God is for us, then where are all the miracles that we've read about? And, and where are all the, the things that we saw God do? Why aren't those being done right now? So Gideon had an awareness of God's delivering hand, of how God had delivered the children of Israel time and time again through all the great challenges of their life. And he's sitting here hiding in a wine press. Now I'll tell you, and I'll be honest here, God's miracle working ability is directly tied to us walking in obedience. If you are not walking in obedience, if you are not doing what you're called to be doing, why would God need to do a miracle? Those things come directly as we honor him as we do what he's called us to do 
when the when uh, Moses was leading the children of Israel out of captivity, and he, they came upon the sea, and they had to put their foot in the water first for it to part, right? So in order for God to deliver, they had or put the staff in the water. And so in order to do it, but there was a level of obedience that had to take place first. You had to, be, you had to not be afraid to do what God had placed before you. And then I talked about last week about what? What did we, we share about? I don't have my Jeopardy music. I don't even know what it is. So um, let's, I'll make it easier. Cleaning house. How many of you like cleaning house? Getting rid of junk? Tabby is, Tabby is our ultimate cleaner in our house. If, if we ever want a room to be gone through and someone to get rid of stuff, Tabby has no emotional attachment to anything I own. <laughs> and she will gladly get rid of it. <laughs> if, if, if I want to hold on to it, I need to get it and move it out of there. Or chain it down and not let her have access to it. But we all, we are... We are good at storage of stuff, unfortunately. <laughs> now, we've shared with you before that we used to have two storage units here in Bellbrook because where we're living is too small and we couldn't fit all of our stuff. Two storage units. So we got rid of our storage units and we put it at our daughter's house. But we still own a lot of it. Now, some of this stuff we're trying to get rid of, we are. But we've had it, it's been in storage for almost five years. Now the odds of us actually needing it if you haven't used it in five years are pretty slim. Forget it. They actually say that if you haven't used something in six months, you should get rid of it. So, I'm not telling you what to get rid of. But last week we talked about cleaning house. About getting rid of all the things in our life that are holding us back spiritually from becoming who God wants us to be. So do you have things that are holding you back spiritually from becoming who God wants you to be? Get rid of it. Don't let it hold you back. So today we're going to move on with obedience. We're going to move on with obedience. It is the next step. Once we've cleaned house, and actually there's a level of obedience that goes with us cleaning house, we're going to move into what it means to begin to walk in obedience to what God has called us to do. I'd like us to turn to Judges 7. It'll be up on our screen for us. We're just covering the first seven verses today. And it says this, So Jerubbabel, which is Gideon, so if you ever see Jerubbabel and it doesn't give you the association of Gideon in your Bible, that is Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. So Gideon has already assumed leadership, wine press, encounter with an angel, leading an army. Do you see a step of obedience here? This is an interesting uh, step of obedience that Gideon has no idea really the full weight of what God has called him to and what he's in, entering into. But we're going to get there. 
So he got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. Now, have you ever went into a fight thinking you have too many? Too many. You think God's trying to do something here. He says you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 got up and left. 22,000. Leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. 10,000. Wow, an army of 33,000 and you eliminate 22,000. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine uh, who will go with you and will not. With Gideon, took his warriors down to the water and, told, and the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hand and lap it up and their tongues like, with their tongues like dogs. In other groups, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouth at the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouth. The Lord told Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have a plan for every battle that we face. And that if we will learn to look to you, you will lead us down a path of victory that we had not considered. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask for this in your name. Amen. So 300 men. Now I was doing some research and to the best of the ability of all the researchers, because this was the entire army of of Median, with all the people of the east there were it said that these that the people of the east came and and joined them in the army that they were estimating that the army that that Gideon was coming against was roughly 200,000 people 200,000 people so if if Gideon had been able to keep his 32,000 people he would have been a one to three to one odds. <laughs> Every one of his soldiers against three others. Now you're thinking, God, that those are outrageous odds. But see, you need to understand that God's children had already God. God knew what the equation was going to bring because God's people were able to do amazing things. There was. One individual recorded in Scripture, God had empowered him, but he, uh, he took on 700 people with a spear. It was one of David's mighty men of God, mighty men of valor. And so you have to understand, God had empowered his people throughout years to do amazing exploits. And as you look at Gideon and God saying, Gideon, send all these people home, The first one, 
He sent home the 22,000, and then he sent 10,000 home, and he leaves him with 300 people to do battle. We start realizing that God's way of thinking is different than ours. Actually, Scripture teaches us in Isaiah 55, 8, says, My thoughts are nothing like yours, your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Think God's ways are higher. We have to quit approaching every battle we fight with how we can mentally envision victory. Because that will immediately create a roadblock for how God wants to show Himself faithful on our behalf. As soon as we create a plan on how God is going to do this, we tell God He's not needed. Now, I'm not telling us not to plan, but what I'm saying is that we need to seek God first and then develop a plan. Let God speak into our life about His plan. So I want to share with you three valuable lessons, I think, that we can learn from Gideon that will teach us how to confront the challenge of obedience that we all will face in life. Number one is obedience doesn't look the way we think it should. Obedience doesn't look the way we think it should. I think it is important to emphasize that there are always going to be two trains of thought that confront us every day. Two trains of thoughts that will always confront us every day. How God wants us to live, and the other is how the world wants you to live wants us to live and so as we look at this we have to understand that God is going to deal with us on a daily basis uh, or we are going to have to deal with things on a daily basis on what God wants and what the world wants and you have to decide who you're going to listen to because God's going to always have a plan but the world does also. When we choose to follow God, He gives us a set of marching orders. These marching orders lay out for us how to treat our spouses, our children, how to live and conduct ourselves in society, the kind of worker we are called to be. The Bible literally covers every aspect of life. I was sharing with someone this week that um, in, in marriage, we have these set of, of orders that give us an understanding of how we are to treat our spouse and and what our world many times has forgotten it is the bible that gives us that direction see the bible it is because of the word of god that marriage has been instituted god spoke about it god god put that into a process for us and established what um, married the marriage covenant was all about and so Anytime we separate ourselves from the Scriptures, then we separate ourselves from that one piece that has the ability to speak into our life the things that will bring about health and, and prosperity. So when God calls you out to be a follower of, of His, He begins to work on transforming you so that when someone sees you in society, they recognize you as a, fo a follower of Christ. The world has no rule book. The world has no rule. Our world promotes 
do what's pleasing to you. If it feels good, do it. Years ago, I was, uh, I was approached to do a wedding ceremony for a couple, and they wanted to talk about some of the things that I included in my ceremony. And one of the things that they said they wanted me to take out of the ceremony was um, that they would be together in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, until death do us part. And I said, no, I, I can't separate that. That's part of my process. They said, we don't, that's not a commitment we're making. I said, well, then that's, that's not something I'm interested in doing for you. <laughs> you can go find someone else to marry you, but I'm not interested in just helping you to appease you in an area like this. You, if you're going to commit to marriage, you have to, you have, to be, have a mindset that says, I'm in it for the long haul. If your mindset is not in it for the long haul, how many knows that hardship comes in marriage? <laughs> the first fire, you're out the door. The first time the car breaks down, you know what? The grass is always going to be greener where you water it. So if, if your grass is not green in your home, you better start watering it differently. Because someone out there is watering and it's going to look better somewhere else if you give the opportunity. That's why affairs happen, is because someone else is, is watering their lawn, making it look appealing, and they're trying to attract that which is part of who you are. So God gives us these guides, these, these rules that we can look at and say, these tell us how to treat our, our, our spouse, our children, how to live in society, how to be productive in society. Those things come from the Word. How many of you have ever heard of the golden rule? What is it? Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law of, of the, sums up the law and the prophets. See, man didn't come up with this. They just don't give credit to God. God created the things that guide society. Now, as a society, we've walked away from those things. But that doesn't take away the thing that if we don't have the Bible as the center point of society, what guides us? As a church, we need to be readers and doers of the Word of God. We need to be men and women who know how to, to rightly divide the Word of truth, be able to read it and apply it to our lives, apply it to our families, our chil children, our grandchildren, so that we can bring them up in the understanding of God, in the ways of God, and help them to understand the things that will bring about life and health and hope. In order for Gideon to learn to obey God, he was going to have to think differently. He couldn't think the way the world was. He, he was thinking 32,000 is just, it's really not even enough to approach an army of 200,000, but at least it's an army of 32,000. And now God's saying 300. 300. I don't know what those odds are. I'm not that good at math. But, but 200,000 to 300 is not good odds. And, and I look at that, and, and I'm sure in Gideon's shoes, I mean, yes, this man had just had an encounter with an angel. The Lord is having a dialogue with him, a verbal dialogue. 
It, it ought to be enough, Miss Elaine. And, and we learned that it, it was enough. But one of the challenges that we, think it, think, or we have is learning to think differently. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I love this. I plead with you. Paul is, is trying to work with the Romans, uh, the church in, in, in Rome, saying, Listen, I plead with you, brothers and sisters. He's talking to the church. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Then be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, obedience to God will challenge the way you think. You cannot walk in obedience to God and hold on to the old way of thinking that you participated in. They don't align. If you always think me first and then everybody else, you will not be able to walk forward in all that God has for you. Obedience to God requires a different level of thinking. Gideon had to come to an understanding that if they were going to be victorious, they could not think about this battle the way they used to. Number two, obedience is not about what you have. It is interesting how many times we tie obedience to our current set of resources or ability. We say, God, I will do this when I have this kind of money. When I have developed this ability. (laughs) Um, I can't tell you the number of times that I've had people come to me, parents come to me and say, we are going to wait to have children until we have enough money saved up. Now, how many parents realize that you never have enough money saved up? (laughs) That there is never enough resources. Now God will take what you have and make it enough. But see, there's never, I mean, there's always a challenge that will come upon you that will challenge you in the areas of how you live. You're never going to be prepared enough. Now, I'm not taking away the responsibility to be prepared. I went to Bible college back when I was you know, uh, 19 years old, right out of high school, because God had called me to be a pastor. So I went to Bible college. And I had served God in areas of ministry up until, you know, about 1998. God said to go back for more preparation. So I went back to school. I got my master's. I got my doctorate. And I, and I did this in a process of preparation. But I did this while I was serving. So there was a little bit of preparation at the beginning, and then there was serving, and then there was more preparation. And the thing I found in life is, when we walk with God, you, you do a tiny bit of preparation, and then you go out and do that which God has called you to do. But you're never going to have all the preparation. Part of the preparation comes along the way as you learn to navigate the, the challenges of life as God speaks to you as God works with you you start realizing that part of the preparation is learning to hear God 
The first thing that we all need to do in, in preparation for what God has for us is learn to be still and listen. Learning to be still and listen. We are not good at being still and listening. If I were to take a one-minute time frame right here and have everybody be silent, some of you would find it difficult. If I would take ten minutes, some of you would leave before we got (laughs) started. If I said that you were going to take a 24-hour period of time and not say a word, some of you would pray for the rapture right now. (laughs) Because to be silent for a 24-hour period of time is overwhelming. We, have, we are not a good people to still ourselves and be silent. And so it is no wonder we struggle hearing the voice of God. I, I remember, um, I don't know, four years ago, our kids were swimming at somebody's house. I was talking to them about this very subject. That, um, and we were talking, they were asking this very question, how can you get to the point where you can hear the voice of God? And I said, you know what, it's, it's practice, it's learning to listen. I said, my children have learned to hear their mother and I, when we're in a group setting, they can hear our voice. Now, my children were swimming out in the pool. They were wild, they were crazy, they were screaming. And I just said, just watch. So in a very quiet tone, I called my children's name. Both of them turned and heard me. In the midst of the crowd... They heard me. Now, the, this couple that I was working with, they were just in complete awe. Because <laughs> he said, our children won't listen to anything. Well, I said, part of the problem is we don't teach them to hear us. You have, and if you're, if you're only speaking in a yell, <laughs> the odds of them hearing you is going to be challenged. You need to teach them to listen in the stillness. See, we love it if God would speak to us in thunder. We know it's Him. It's like, yes, God! Lightning right next to me? That, that's a no from you. I, I understand that. But see, He said He's going to be that still, small voice behind us teaching us where to go. So I have an illustration. I need a subject. I need a volunteer. Miss Madison, you want to volunteer? Stay down here. I got to set up my example here. Almost done. Not getting the guitar, just the chair. <laughs> Madison, you volunteered. <laughs> Come here, Miss Madison. 
I want you to walk from here to there right now. Just walk over there. there. Yeah. To Kate. Just walk over there. And you did that so well. All right, come back here, Miss Madison. Please take your glasses off. Sorry, you got all this hair back here. I don't know what to do with hair. Tabby, come here. You work with hair better. I don't want to pull her hair out. I don't know what's... It's fine. <laughs> now, Miss Madison, are, are you willing to go out there and walk this path in your current situation? I have made a few adjustments in your path. You really don't know what those are. Okay. are yes. You, yes, I'm willing. Do you think it's safe? Um. <laughs> okay, you walk with God, right? Yeah. Okay, well, let's see here. So I want you to just begin to walk. Okay. And trust God. Okay. Now, re- everybody remembers the level of confidence that Madison walked with before. So Madison... I'm going to be that voice of God for you. And I am going to lay my hands on your shoulders just to give you a little assurance that you're not alone. And we're going to walk together. You're going to slide to the right just a hair. Just keep going straight now. You're doing good. We're going to take a little step to the left. You're doing so good, Madison. I'm so proud of you. We're going to take a step to the right. And you're just going to keep walking. Everything is good. This is great, Madison. See, this is what a walk by faith is all about. And looky here, we're getting over to the end, and Miss Madison, you can take off your blindfold. And see, thank you. See, Miss Madison navigated the challenges and struggles. Yeah, I give her a glass of that way she can see. Without running into a chair. Now, do you think Madison would have hit a few things? with how I adjusted things after she had already seen what the path was looking like. When it was an easy and you know what's in front of you, it's easy to walk. It's easy to walk this when you have full visual. But when God says, listen, I want you to walk by faith and not by sight, and you don't focus on all the things that you see, did you sense that Madison was stressed in her walking? A little bit at first. There's always that little bit. But she gained more confidence as she walked because she was listening to that voice behind her. Step here, step here, keep walking straight. We didn't have to backtrack. We were able to keep moving simply because she learned to listen. That leads us into uh, our final thing. See, obedience can never be tied to our resources, but obedience is about trusting God. So obedience is not about all of our resources. It is simply about trusting God. The children of Israel 
could not be fixated on an army of 32,000 because you're going to steal, you're going to still feel as if, man, we've got a great army. Looking at an army of 200,000 still may be scary, but you're thinking, I got 32,000 in God's blessing. Trusting God requires us to walk by faith and not by sight. God is always working at leading us into and through situations that require us to trust Him. We are told that walking with God is a walk of faith and not sight, and yet we struggle walking when we do not see. We can't... Now listen, I'm 52. Now I know I'm young compared to some. I'm told that all the time by some of ours. But the one thing I've learned in my 52 years, and, and of those 52 years, I've walked with God since I was 16. It's impossible to always see all the challenges in front of us. It's impossible. You just can't do it. You don't know of some of the different things that come your way. <laughs> it's been a point of conversation in our home. There has been construction going on in our house, in front of our house, since um, March this year. They replaced the gas lines and then the water lines. And um, every day we leave our driveway, if sometimes we turn right and we can't get out there because the road's blocked. So we have to go left and go the back way. And one day I went out right and it was blocked and I went left and it was blocked. And there is no other path. I only have left or right coming out of our area. And the guy says, you have to go right. That truck eventually is going to move. I'm thinking, okay, I'm glad I've got a little bit of time before I have to be where I need to be. But I, I can't, it's impossible for me to navigate all the possible roadblocks in life. I, but I, it would be overwhelming if all I did was think about the possible roadblocks in life. How, how is that a level of life to live when the only thing you ever fixate on is the possible problems that could come in your path? <laughs> you know, Scripture says don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will take care of Because today has what? Enough trials and problems and situations. If you just worry about living today. Now we plan for tomorrow, but we live today. Some people are so worried about tomorrow that they live for tomorrow and they plan for tomorrow and they miss today. And you need to learn to live in such a way that your minds are not fixated on all the problems that could happen. But if you learn to listen to the still small voice, He will help you navigate through the challenges of life. Now, I, my wife and I can both share numerous illustrations, I'm sure many of you can, where the Holy Spirit has spoken to you while you're driving down the road for you to take a path, for you to pause. I, have, I know that, that we have avoided accidents because we listened to Holy Spirit and He paused us. He caused us to, to wait, to relax, to not move. And just a few moments down the road, there was an accident. See, I look at those things, and we don't always look at it as learning to hear the voice of the Father. 
Learning to hear that still small voice. But it takes us learning to silence ourselves. There was no one else with Gideon in the wine press. And when he was interacting with God in those early stages, there was no one else there but him and God. Now when he was, when, I don't know how it happened when he was refining the army down, if Gideon would go away in a time of you know, communication with God and then come back and do it. But we know that the army was present during a portion of his interaction. But Gideon had to learn to hear God. Church, obedience requires a level of hearing and obeying God that is sometimes difficult for us to comprehend. It doesn't always look the way we think it should, but it will take us down a path that God has prepared for us. Jesus said, I have gone away to prepare a place for you. And when I am done, when it is ready, I will return to bring you home. But until then, we are to labor until he comes. That there is is a job to do. Because see, he he wouldn't say labor if there wasn't work to be done. He didn't say, I want you to rest until I come. He said, I want you to labor. I want you to be about that which I have assigned you to do until I come to get you. So we are learning from Gideon that God has a plan, a process for us to walk through. And if we will learn to listen, we can hear his voice and walk differently. So we're going to pray. And if you need God to help refine your hearing to hear his voice we're going to invite you to come and we're going to pray for you this morning we're going to pray that you can learn to silence all the outside noises to hear what god is saying to you so bow your heads with me Lord, we listen. Understanding that we need to be better listeners. 
that our level of obedience is directly tied to our ability to listen, to hear. Help us to quiet ourselves. To learn to hear your voice. We understand that to know your voice, we need to know your word. For it is through your word that you speak many times. But help us to know that voice. This morning, if you are here and you struggle with the noise, you struggle with the ability to hear, and you want just someone to agree with you in prayer, that you would begin to hear differently the voice of God. Wherever you're seated, I'm just going to invite you to come. To stand up here and someone will join you. One of our prayer warriors, one of our leaders will pray with you this morning. So if you need someone to agree with you in prayer, I'm just going to invite you to come. We're going to wait just a moment. Father, I thank you for those moments of silence that help us to refine our hearing process. Help us to be committed taking more time to detach from the the noise of the world, the noise of our phones, of our media, of our entertainment, to find a place to silence ourselves and to learn to listen. To take times to not be overstimulated, but to focus on the simplicity of the gospel of the message. We thank you. We pray your blessing on 
each one today as they go into the mission field that you have created for them, that they would be a light for you. Bless them in this, I pray. Now, regardless of what happens the rest of your day, you've spent two minutes, most of you, in silence. Of course, Hudson, we give him a little break. Amalia, we'll give her a little break. You know, they're a little, you know, sometimes they, they're in that learning process. But uh, the rest of you learn to sit quietly for the first time was almost 90 seconds. Second time was almost a minute. So you have two and a half minutes of quiet time that you've already been able to have with you and God. Take more time throughout the day. So as our ushers come, we're going to wait upon you for our morning tithes and offering. If you'd stand with us, we've got our prayer that will be up here on the screen. And we have a scripture that we'll read. You'll pray with me as we say this out loud. As I give in today's offering... I reflect on the greatness and power of my God. God is capable of doing anything. No task is too large or too difficult for Him. His power is never restrained. God is all-powerful. God is watching over me, and He supplies for me by His power. Nothing is too difficult for God. For you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are my God. Thank you. Ushers, please receive the offering. Once they've gone beyond you, um, we release you to greet one another. If you're willing to make a dessert for this coming Saturday, please talk to Jennifer or Madison. If you're going to be able to attend our thing, please do sign up Sunday. Sunday after church. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Come, be ready for a great time, and bring your checkbooks, cash offerings, whatever it will be. $1,500, pray with me. We're going to agree together that God's going to help us raise $1,500 next Sunday. God bless you.